We're doing a series called It's Okay. And so every week I just want us to start there and remind ourselves um, that it's okay, that everything's okay. Even if everything doesn't look like it's okay, it's okay. So we'll start. One, two, three. It's, it's okay. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for you. Uh, it's good for us to take ourselves to, if I could say this, to a different place. If you constantly live in the turmoil and the trouble that's around you, you, you know, I've said before, I think we get defined by the things that upset us. And, and that's probably not a lot of credit to me because unfortunately too many things upset me. But I, as I've said many times, I'm a work in progress. I hope you are too. But maybe that's what defines us. Maybe that's what defines our, our level or our sense of maturity is, is what does it take to upset you? And... Um, you know, little Charlie doesn't take much, you know. And I think the more immature we are, the easy it is, easier it is for us to be upset. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think, I think the more we grow, the more we mature, the more we develop, the harder it is to upset us because we have a sense that things really are okay. So this is more than a hype speech or a rah-rah rally or anything like that. This is hopefully a sense for us to say, if we could take a, a glimpse into another realm, we would have a sense that everything is okay. We used Paul as an example to start this series. If you remember who Second Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about this experience. He says, he, he talks about himself in the third person, and he says, I know a man in Christ who uh, was translated or transported or caught up, as the phrase, into the third heaven. And whether it was bodily or not, I don't know. But he had a transcendent experience. And then Paul, as he neared his death, in Philippians he writes, I I'm torn he, just, he didn't know if he was going to live or die, and he said, I'm torn between the two. To be honest with you, most of us with our hearts beating strong and, our, and a good health record uh, to date, we aren't torn between the two. We really want to stay here. That's just reality, if we're honest. And I've talked to many people who are closer to transitioning, death, whatever experience you call and the funny thing is, the more I've, I've been around this in my own personal experience pastoring is God seems to prepare people. They seem to get a sense that that transition's not so terrible. And not only is it not terrible, but it can be beautiful. And that the, the next realm, the next life, um, is not something to be afraid of at all, but something to be embraced. And... Then we have this experience with people like Paul. We're going to use Jesus' experience today. People that seem to transcend while they are living. And Christian mystics and others that have sort of gone through this. So if I can, I just want to 
like two minutes of teaching, you know it'll turn into ten, but you give me two. Did I say we're having technical problems today? Or is it, does that count for markers? Or Oh, yeah, love the blue. Uh, hey, everybody clap. This is, let's have some fun. So, typically, we live our life. Uh, I know people love it when I start drawing. Uh, this is to signify you running, but I didn't want to do the legs. But see the wind? You're running fast. You're running through life. You're here. You have things going on. You have things coming at you. You have problems. You have challenges. They're financial. They're physical. They're relational. They're emotional. Is this true of our life? This is our life, right? Everybody has this. Problems at work. Okay. Uh, And once in a while, I'm going to call this our, our life as we see it, our life as we normally know it. And we experience life at this level, on this plane, through our, our, um, our five senses, right? What we can see, what we can hear, what we can taste, what we can touch, what we can smell. And this is what we're taught. This is the world that we know. And we respond and we react and we get sad and we get angry and we get upset by how we experience life here. Um... Now, if you know anything about me, and you've been, I'm pro-science. I think this is, you, you observe things, science does that, and uh, we, we should be pro-science. We should be pro-things that we learn that they can help us understand our experience better. Um, but the dogma of the hard fundamentalist science, hard fundamentalist science, refuses to acknowledge that there's anything else other than what you can see, hear, Taste, touch, smell. It's, it's, it's the, the dogma of fundamentalism science is materialism. In other words, that's it. And people who talk about other experiences, they cannot be trusted. Now, I'll be the first to admit I'm a skeptic of sorts. People come to me and tell me they've had certain experiences, and I kind of go, hmm? Over the years, I've learned to soften my skepticism and just let things be what they are. I don't know everyone's experience. But, but a, a pure uh, line is drawn here. and so There isn't anything else. Now, if you're a person of faith, you believe there is more. There's just more. There's something here. But not only do we believe that there's more... What we, what we have read and heard and many experienced, we've experienced more. It's not my job to judge your experience. It's not your job to judge mine. And I'm giving you this for a reason. When things are not okay here, they're still okay right there. And you'll meet people, and we'll read about people that transcend into this area. And their life is not going okay, 
you'd say on paper, (laughs) but they're okay because they've experienced this. Some people call them peak experiences. Can I do that for a minute? You go to this little peak, this little mountaintop, you get a peek into this realm. Perhaps that's what Paul's was, a, a time, an experience here. And then you come back here. Do you remember the story in the Scripture, in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus takes Peter, John, and James with him to a mountain to pray? And it says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became bright. I didn't think about the very bright white shirt. That was not intentional. Uh, uh, Bright flash of light. Two men, Moses and Elijah. Now, these are two men, Moses and Elijah, who have gone on. They're not part of this anymore. So he takes them to this experience, and there's Moses and Elijah, and Jesus is sort of changed or transfigured before them. How many remember this from Sunday school? How many have no idea what I'm talking about? Two men appeared glorious and splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about uh, to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions, it says they were... They were very sleepy, but then they became fully awake. And it says they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. They saw his glory. I think the one thing that is in common with this transcendence is glory or goodness. I don't, I don't know. Glory to me has gotten so churchified that it's, oh, it's a tough one. But I remember seeing, I hate to admit it, but it was a Notre Dame poster. Oh, God. Uh, but it says the glory is back. Now, if you, you get it in that context, and you, you get it, I don't know, for me, I'm a football guy, but your context, needlepoint, is there needlepoint glory? I have no idea. My sister would be in that. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's where things are, this is right, this is what it's supposed to be, right? It's like they saw his glory, they saw, oh, that's how it really works. That's how it's really supposed to be. Now, I know many of us are just, even though some of us are Christian or even brought up in church or you're a person of faith, this could still feel like a hard line here. But if you experience this, if you experience this, somehow the peace that it comes that comes with it is you realize whatever happens here including the ultimate challenge which is death it's okay it really is okay there's no sense of panic because this is actually to the people that transcend it's more real than this not less i know i'm giving you something to think about today But just hang with me as we go through this story. And it says, they saw his glory. And it says, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. It is good for us to be here. 
You have to have this sense that there was a transcendence. And Peter's like, it's good here. And he says, let's, let's stay. Let's put some shelters up here. If you read and you study near-death experiences, like I said, you don't have to take anyone else's experiences if you don't want to. But one of the problems of hard five-sense science that refuses to acknowledge anything else is that you don't take an account for anything else. You say, well, I, I, haven't, I can't test that, so I have to reject it. But over and over and over, people get a sense as they transcend or they have these experiences that it's okay. It's not bad. It's not scary. It's good. But what we're also learning is like the, the, the experience that's talked about in this story in Luke is people who live on this earth like Jesus and Peter and James and John and many others, they have a peak, I'm going to call it a peak experience, and the peak experience is like this little mountain top here, little mountain peak. But the other thing is, it's a peak. It's a glimpse into this. Glory, where it's good, where it's okay. And these experiences, they come with all kinds of of other things. Now, one, uh, one scientific materialist, again, I'm, let me restate, I am so pro-science. I've done many series on the importance of science and why, and, and by the way, how often the churches had it wrong and the churches had to admit it was wrong because of bad theology, bad ways of reading the Bible and combating with science. It's ridiculous. We need to have our eyes wide open to everything that God is showing us. And God speaks to us through science. It's just we have these great ways of seeing God in creation. And as, the, and as the tools get better, God gets bigger. Am I with me? As the Hubble telescope travels farther, God has to be bigger. Our minds have to expand. That's only good. But some people draw a line and this is it. Now, I read a story this week about a guy who was this kind of scientist and he got married and he wrote about this experience and right before his wedding his wife the gal he was marrying was really close to her grandpa her grandpa was like her father figure but had passed on so it was like she was at her wedding day without her father and the guy writing the article was the, 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 the uh, materialist said um, she had a radio that her grandpa had given her that didn't work. And so he went to tinker with it and try to fix it, new batteries, and tried to make it work. And he couldn't get it to work. And uh, so they, they shoved it back in the, in, the, in the dresser. And she was really sad the day of the wedding leading up to it. Of course, happy about the wedding, but having this mixed feeling about how he wouldn't be there. Now, this is his article that he writes. He goes, and then uh, we heard a noise up in the bedroom. We didn't know what it was. And this radio, it turns out, they find it. It's playing a romantic song, right? Uh, Scientific American article. 
They pull it out. It's the radio that's working. And she goes, I'm at peace. My grandpa's here with me today. Now, believe it, don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you need to do with that story because some of you right away just threw it out and some of you, you jumped all over. Why? Because you've had these kinds of experiences. But my point is, is deeper than that. I'm trying to get us to all to get our hands around that there's more. There really is more. And that it's okay. And once you taste, taste, you can be okay. This is not a you have to wait until you die to experience, but people experience this. If we have time in the series, I'm going to talk about better ways that you and I can experience this on a day-to-day basis where you can drive to work and everything can be falling apart and you can be right here. It's okay. I feel like we've got too many tools for here and not enough tools for here. Like, like most of the tools that we have are we talk about how to, which is a good tool, how to get out of debt. Debt will cause you stress. How to do this, how to do that. But it's just how to rearrange the furniture down here. But no matter how many times you rearrange the furniture down here, it's still here. And when you transcend, you, you get something different. Now, I don't know if you know the verse that goes right before the Mount of Transfiguration, but I'll read it to you. It's Luke nine twenty seven. And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And then this experience happens. Some of you will not taste death before you see the kingdom. What's he saying? You're not going to have to wait to die. You're going to get a glimpse of it here. Now, here's one of the things that we are learning about how we grow and develop. Quick survey. Who here is growing? Please. Which means you have to be letting go of some stuff. Have to be. Have to be letting go. Remember Paul? When I was a child, I fought like a child, and I what? Reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish things behind me. So if you're growing, listen carefully. You've got to be putting some things behind you. Uh, we're, 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 we're putting away old things, old ideas, throwing away old toys, cleaning out old closets, old ways of thinking. That's what it means to grow. So what we're learning about growth is there's a couple of parts How many are hanging with education? I I lied to you. I said two minutes. It's been at least, what, 12, I'm sure. We grow, right? I'm going to... Now, this is just a rough... Stages, you know? It's like... Just like think of physical growth, right? You have a newborn and a toddler and then this and then they... You know, a child and then a teen and... Oh, God. Then they're a teen, and this seems like forever. And then, anyway, then there's a young adult, and then, you know, we, that's how we grow. And there's stages. 
And the same thing would be true of us, I would say, spiritually, is we grow and stay, we keep growing. Um, and these stages are important, but here, we have, stages are, are, are more, I'm going to put it in quotes, but permanent. All right, I'm just going to, permanent. A state is a temporary state. Just, just stay with me. If I hit a golf shot that goes down the middle in a long way, that's a temporary state. Are you with me? That is glory for, for a minute, and I am so happy. I'm euphoric, but it doesn't happen the next shot ever. It happens one shot in every five holes. Stay with me. But that, that man, that little mountaintop experience, I really do enjoy. It's the shot that gets me coming back, because I, I say to myself, I could do this more. Do any of you, do any of you golf like me? Please, somebody. I, I, I could be good at this if I could do this more. Of course, I don't. Oh, man, it tastes good. Now, I have some friends who golf, and they turn this state into a stage. Are you with me? They just, boom, boom, boom. You're like, oh, I'd like to be there. But this is important. You can turn a temporary state into a stage. So, who's ever had the worst day of your life, but somehow you were at peace? Somehow. You did, I mean, you did. You say, oh, you know, probably or happily, thankfully, I was at peace. Only three of you. Goodness. My God. Has anyone... Oh, let me try again. Has anyone have a really horrible day, but you somehow had some... Uh, hopefully a few of us... I'm not saying you stayed there for weeks, but you had a, like a little peak performance where you're like, wow. Now, this is what's important. You can turn that temporary state into a stage where it's more the normal you. This is actually how we grow. Too much, I, I think, or let, let me say of my experience. I don't know if it was yours. But when I got around the church experience, it was, it was all around this one big time conversion, repentance, sign up. And it was like, the minute I did, I was, everything was supposed to transcend here. And I'm like, supposed to be like walking on water. And that was just not my real experience. My real experiences were very different. And so I, I'd find myself like here and then here. But here's the idea. This can become this. Do you remember that story where the disciples are out in the boat and they're rowing and they're in the storm and, and, this, and Scripture says they're, they're straining at the oars. They're straining this is how Mondays feel, isn't it? You're just trying to get down 696. I, a friend of mine yesterday, she said to me, he goes, it took me 45 minutes to get to, to my chiropractor, right? He had to double crack me when I got there because I went on a Saturday and they had, you know, one lane on 696. Every time you think you're going somewhere, you're straining. Is anybody with me? You're straining. But look. Along comes Jesus, what? Walking on the water. The storm, they, they were afraid, there were the waves, and they're thinking they're going to drown. 
This is our experience, these huge waves, right? We're going down, we're going under, and we, this is our little boat, you know? This is us. And Jesus comes on the water. And then he says, what? Peace be still. You have another account in one of the other Gospels about Jesus in the boat doing what? Sleeping. They're panicked, they're afraid, and Jesus is up here taking a nap. Already? What do we know? Somebody's what? Transcended. Somebody's crossed the line. Somebody's tasted something that the rest haven't tasted. So you learn to transcend, ready, or you actually become the storm. Think about it. That storm gets inside of you, doesn't it? It's around you. And then it gets inside you, and then you become the storm. You come home, huh? The dog runs, the kids hide, the neighbors, you know, everyone ducks in the garage because now you've become, this is, this is true, you've become the storm. So here's the thing I, I think about when I say, you know, if this is true, How do I do this? How do I do this? And the, and the key word would be prayer. Now, prayer is a loaded word. There's a few words that you use that are just so loaded. That means a hundred different things to a hundred different people in this room. It means your grandma, you know, like my grandma, you know, she prays for everyone in our family by name every single day. Unbelievable experience. It means, to some of you who grew up in a chanting religious thing, it means this, some kind of a ritual. Some of you, it means empty-mindedness, as I just say things over and over again that the church told me to say. And it means all kinds of things to all kinds of people. But let me give you what I mean by it. When Jesus lets the disciples go ahead, the story in Matthew 14, they go ahead on the lake, on the water, he stays behind to pray. This is the first thing. Let some people get ahead of you. We started this series talking about FOMO, fear of missing out, right? I got to get in that boat. I got to get to the office. I got to do this. I, let, let's be totally honest. Who here has ever just panicked to get to the office or to get to the deal or to get to the thing and you had the worst day ever, the most counterproductive? Like, why am I here? I should be on the golf course. Honestly, this is our experience. I should just be like, oh, kids playing. I should have went to the t-ball game. But we're so addicted. Listen, we're so addicted to the rowing and to the competing and to the having to be there. We're addicted to it. Jesus is like, are right, you guys going ahead? First thing about prayer. First thing, you got to let people get ahead of you. Let them go ahead. That's okay. 
Has anybody ever been looking at a... Yesterday they had a, they had a, a party on our lake. It was like the most massive thing. And there's that little, little boy inside. He'd be like, oh, oh, I want to be there. I'm the only honest person in this room today. I swear to God. Like, I was like, oh, I want to be there. No? Okay. Oh, that looks like fun. Okay, so we have this... Oh, they're probably having so much fun and I'm moving furniture. We have this fear of missing out. First thing is Jesus is like, just go on ahead. You guys go ahead. There has to be some letting, letting things go, letting people go. Let them win. Let them have. He lets them go ahead. And then this, he says he prays all night. It can't be him asking God for things. That, that's one form of prayer. It's probably the simplest, and, and to be honest with you, it's probably the shallowest. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's probably the simplest and the shallowest is asking God for stuff. It's the, it's the one we're most familiar with. Can I get this, and can I get an Xbox? And you're like, oh, no, that's so immature. You shouldn't ask God for an Xbox. should be a, a proper request. And then you have an adult version of an Xbox, Right, which is I know this job instead of this job, or I need to land this contract. Am I right? I mean, it's just so. But there's a different type. This is important. Where you offer yourself to God. You're not trying to take. In prayer, you're actually giving, and you're just saying, "God, I'm yours." And I accept. I accept what is. Jesus did it. If, if you follow carefully, if you follow the whole story, he gets to the garden and he says, nevertheless, not what? My will, but what? If I could suggest, I think that's the pinnacle of prayer. It's surrender. It's when you just surrender. And when you surrender, you realize it's good. Do you think um, Do you think it's an accident that the driving metaphor that most of us remember about heaven is that it's paved with, you know this one, streets of gold. Now, I've often said I really don't need streets of gold. That I can do any kind of a, just a few less potholes. I'd be really fine with the whole deal. Of course, I, I, I firmly believe this is a driving metaphor, but what a good metaphor. That if the stuff in this world could be represented by gold, in other words, the stuff we want to have, the stuff we want to get, gold. I need this, I need this, I need to get this, I need this job, I need this house, I need this money, I need this retirement, I need this. I need, I, and it's, it, it's as if... If you could get a peek, if you could just get a glimpse, you're like, oh, what do you pave stuff with? The least expensive stuff you can find. Dirt, asphalt, gravel. In other words, gold's not special. They pave with it up there. The stuff we're chasing so hard for and wanting so bad, perhaps it's just stuff you walk on if you transcend. 
close with a story. Years ago, I was down in Florida visiting family and went for a walk on the beach. And maybe I've shared this story years ago. I'm walking on the beach, and uh, there's hotels and there's street here, beach here. On this side, there's souvenir shops. You know, you go and you rent jet skis and you buy trinkets. And there's, you know, tourists everywhere. You can tell them. I mean, they're like gaudy dress, red sunburns, and, uh, and dragging kids in paraphernalia. You know what I mean? And they go in and out of these souvenir shops. And on the souvenir shops, it says, seashells for sale. Seashells for sale. They sell seashells. They sell purses. They sell bracelets, anklets necklaces with seashells I'm walking on the street and I'm, I'm just standing in a driveway and I look at the driveway and it's it's not made out of dirt it's not made out of gravel it's not made out of pavement don't please stay out of my sermon sir please it's made out of seashells crushed seashells and I look, and it's like, th- this whole driveway is made out of seashells. And then I look, and I look at the, ho- the whole beach is, what? Seashells. And I'm thinking to myself, what are these idiots doing? <laughs> this is what my thought. On this side of the street, there's people paying hard-earned money for, what? Seashells. And on this side of the street, you walk on it. And I want to go, yeah, you're with me. What keeps us from crossing the street? What keeps us from seeing it, from getting it? But then I was like, that's, that's how we live our life. Sunburned, stressed out, carrying trash with us, paying for stuff that if we just could open our eyes, That's not valuable. This experience changes you. You say, I don't need to sweat so hard. I don't need to stress so much. I could relax a lot more. I could enjoy what I have, what's around me, if I understood this. I think this mountaintop experience was designed to show us that if we could just have a peak of glory we'd say it's okay I don't know what you're dealing with tomorrow having been pastoring for so long I know they're quite varied and oftentimes unbelievably intense But I also know that if you transcend, it's okay. Here you can be okay. Which is what I think Paul meant when he wrote in Philippians. And the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, Orchard Grove, 
and friends, wherever you are, get out of the souvenir shops, please. Please. Get your eyes up. You know, step across the street, step across the line, because there's so much more.